Your favorite PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors are right here every week on Next on the Tee. Join Chris as the greats of the game share their stories, insights and playing lessons. Now, back to Chris and more of the show. All right, now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Bill Bergen. Let me remind you a little bit more about Bill's background. As I mentioned at the top, he played college golf at Auburn University from 1978 to 1981 and was named first team All-SEC every year, and he helped Auburn win the 1981 SEC championship. His three-round total of 222 was second best on that Auburn team during the SEC championship tournament. His 65 during the 1979 Pan American tournament still ranks near the top as one of their lowest eight. 18 whole scores in school history. He's played in over 200 uh, profess- 250 professional tournaments worldwide, including three U.S. Opens, two Open Championships, and over 50 PGA Tour events. He's now the owner, right, of, of Bergen Golf Designs. He's designed to redesign courses all over the world. He's been involved in over 70 golf course design projects highlighted by, you know, completed courses such as the club at Foxland Harbor, Old Hickory Lake near Nashville, which was named one of Golf Week's 2009 Best New Courses, Heritage Plantation down in Laurel Hills, Florida, which was selected as Golf Digest's fifth best new public and resort course in the U.S. back in 2008, Cherokee Run, Golf Week's number three best course you can play in Indiana, Miramichi, which is Justin Timberlake's eco-friendly golf course and Golf Week's number one best course you can play in Tennessee, Chattanooga Golf and Country Club, a Donald Ross design course along the Tennessee River up in Chattanooga that Bill helped restore. He's currently doing some redesign work at Minnesota Valley Country Club, a Seth Rayner design, and uh, you can check all of that out online by going to bergengolf.com. Plus, if you go to our website, nextonthetee.net, we've been featuring some of the pictures of Bill's work on our homepage as well, and uh, I'm very excited to have Bill back on the show with me again tonight. Hey, Bill, thanks, uh, thanks for joining me. How are you, my friend? Good evening, Chris. I'm doing well. And uh, since you brought up, started the conversation with my Auburn Tigers, I'll have to give a shout out to uh, both our football team with a great victory over Georgia, and also to Patton Kazar for his first PGA Tour victory this week, uh, which was really exciting. So it's good to see you. Good to be with you. And I'm looking forward to talking. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's your your Auburn Tigers blew out Georgia. Last Saturday, so you yeah, got to be was... you got to be tickle pink because if they can get a win over Alabama in a couple of weeks, your Tigers could be the first two loss team to ever make the playoffs. That would be something. That would be something, and, and that would surprise a lot of people. But we, um, as they say, we sort of control our own destiny. But we have a tough road ahead of us. So, Bill, catch us up. Talk about what are some of the projects you're working on right now. Uh, good question. So I am sitting right now at Minnesota Valley Country Club, uh, which is a Seth Rayner designed golf course from 1924 in Bloomington, Minnesota. And we have been uh, renovating this golf course since the middle of summer. And we are winding down, as you might guess. It's, um, it's actually snowed on us a couple times in the last couple weeks. And we are finishing up our project with an, um, planning on reopening this golf course May 1st. And the exciting thing about this project has been uh, two things. One is I have studied, studied, and studied Seth Rayner over the course of the last year and a half or two years while working on this project. And we have added Seth Rayner template holes to this golf course. And um, I probably need to explain what that means, but do you know what I'm talking about when I say template holes? No, please. You know, for, for me and for our listeners, let us know what you're talking about. 
Okay, Seth Rayner was a is a revered classic um, golf course designer from the you know 1920s 1930s, um, the era when so many great golf courses were produced. And he worked for a guy named Charles Blair McDonald, um, designer of National Golf Links of America, one of the premier golf courses in America, and also one of our first. Chicago Golf Club held the U.S. Open in in the 1800s. So this is, there's a lot of history laden um, with these guys. And Seth Rayner was not a player. He was an engineer, and he built Charles Blair McDonald golf courses. And then at some point, he went on his own and started building his own courses. Well, he built the same basic 22 golf holes over and over and over again. Yet he did it so well on so many great pieces of property that you wouldn't have, you wouldn't really know that. But but he each of his golf courses had many similar golf holes that he repeated and repeated and repeated. Yet there was a difference between all of them. Again, if you play the Redan at, at Chicago Golf, it's different than the one at Shinnecock Hills. It's different than the one at Yeamans Hall. And so when I say a template hole, these are holes that have already been built by somebody else. And Seth Rayner copied them. And he put them on a different piece of land, and he fit them to the, the land that he was working with. And so at Minnesota Valley, we had, we had hints of Rainer, but we didn't have a lot of the template holes. And um, after the last five or six months, we do now. And uh, featured with, we have a fantastic Redan hole. Um, Redan came from um, a Scottish golf course, uh, North Berwick. Um, and it's a hole, it's a par three that has a, a high sloping green from the right side. It works from, from high right to back left, actually, actually sloping away from the player. What happens to the ball when it lands on a green like that is it feeds to the cup or it feeds away from the cup, depending on where the hole is located. Um, but that's a classic piece of architecture, and, and that's one of our feature holes. We have what's called a double plateau. The funny thing about a double plateau is it's actually three plateaus, but it's a it's a green that really has two front sections, one high and one low, and then a higher section in the back. Um, our ninth hole is now a double plateau. We have what's called a barit. And again, all these are terms that you may not be familiar with, but if you start diving into golf course architecture, you'll see, oh, I know what a barit is. It's one of those funny greens that has a swale that runs right through the middle of the green. Um, and, and that's a really unique golf hole, and we've got that here as well. So it's a, it's a pretty exciting uh, process to, to take these Rainer templates and put them on the ground at Minnesota Valley. And just to expand on that a little bit, Bill, when you talk about studying his design, right, are you going to some of these historic golf courses? Again, as I, you know, pull him up real quickly and, you know, look over some of the golf courses that he designed. You and I were talking off air about Augusta Country Club once upon a time had a Rainer design, but, you know, it looks like there's some at, at Pebble Beach. You, you mentioned Chicago Golf Club. Are you going and visiting those golf courses to see what those look and feel like, or how are you studying that? How do you get that design feel so that you make it? you know sort of original or back to the original state yeah absolutely so i um have a good friend in charleston who um is a member at country club of charleston which is hosting the u.s women's open uh, i believe in 2019 and i went on a trip to visit him which is country club of charleston is a seth Rayner golf course and right down the road from country club of charleston is a place called yeaman's hall and that is a just spectacular Seth Rayner golf course that feels like you have just walked right back into a time machine and you're right in the 1920s. If you didn't notice a car in the parking lot 
you have literally time traveled to visit Yeamans Hall. Just a spectacular Seth Rayner. And then there's one down in, in um, Central Florida, Lake Wales, Florida, called Mountain Lake. And I did a new golf course down there called the Country Club of Winter Haven, which isn't very far away. And so I got a chance to go over and walk. I didn't play it, but I walked Mountain Lake and, and took photographs on every hole and, and really immersed myself into into the Rainer work there. Lookout Mountain up near Chattanooga is a Seth Rainer. And then I've had his, history. I've played piping rock up on Long Island. I've visited Camargo in Cincinnati. And the interesting thing about the Rainer golf courses is they're they're very – low-key, high-end private clubs for the most part. People don't know about them, yet when you step foot on these properties, they're almost they're almost museum quality. Um, our group from Minnesota Valley took a trip, and we went to Chicago Golf Club, which is a C.B. McDonald golf course originally that Rainer redid. And so now I think it's more Rainer than McDonald, but it's it's absolutely a museum piece of golf in the United States. And again, host of one of two early U.S. Opens in the 1800s. I think Harry Varden won there, which is crazy when you think about, you know, the history of our game and the places that people go and can still play the golf course that Harry Varden won the U.S. Open on in the 1800s. Um, Shore Acres in Chicago is another Rainer. So, yes, and I've looked at – I've probably Googled Earth all the Rainer golf courses, Fishers Island and, and St. Louis Country Club and – and and really done a lot of homework on on his work. And Bill, you you mentioned briefly, you know, Lookout Mountain Rainer's work up at Lookout Mountain, and uh, and you and Reese Jones have collaborated on a golf course right up in that same area up in Chattanooga. Talk about that uh, that project. Yeah, we are, and it's actually formerly known as Canyon Ridge, and we are renaming and repositioning and transforming it as Macklemore. And Macklemore is the name of the cove that sits below our golf course so we're down the mountain or down the ridge line from lookout mountain but on that on that same brow or that same mountain and but we're a little bit further south and our golf course sits right on the edge of this mountain and looks straight down into macklemore cove and it is absolutely a stunning site it's 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 full of rock and fescues and, and incredible views and wildlife and we are going to transform that golf course starting this spring. So we are going to rebuild that golf course. And um, and really, our goal is to make the golf match the spectacular scenery and land that the golf course occupies. It's a good golf course, but it's going to be a great golf course. It's going to be one of those. It, it's going to be a destination resort. Um, it will have a hotel. It also has a real estate on the property so you can buy a home and and live and play at this golf course but um we're really excited about doing that and we start construction this spring and do do you and reese do you guys have similar design philosophies or is it completely different so it makes for a you know a very distinct layout you can tell his holes and your holes and it just sort of blends together really well how do you how are you guys meshing you know your two different uh, golf course philosophies together you know, we're more similar than we are different. Um, so, so that makes it easy. So, um, I would say that the the first of all, Reese played college golf for Yale. Um, so he has a golf, a playing golf background, which I appreciate. And so, we we can speak the same language. And obviously, he has designed many many courses that that have held major championships. And I've played in a few major championships. So, it, again, we can relate to each other on on that aspect. 
And I would say that our bunker style, both of us lean towards grass-faced bunkers with sand in the bottom, and that's what we will do up at, up at Canyon Ridge. Uh, there we'll mix in the native rock, we'll mix in fescues, um, all of that to create this really kind of rugged, natural appearance on that golf course. But, but yeah, we have more, I'd say we have more in common than we do um, differences. And so we also have already collaborated on a golf course in Winter Haven, Florida. So the country of Winter Haven, which I did, did most of the design work, Reese consulted on that job. And so we got to know each other on that project. And then when this one came along up near Chattanooga and with the club's desire to have a destination hotel conference center, I thought Reese was a natural fit that would bring um, a marketing element that, that I was not able to bring yet uh, for that project. And so um, our owners are, were really excited about having him, um, ha- you know, co-design the golf course, and, and as, as am I. And, Bill, as you mentioned bunkers, one of the many things that I love about the design work that you do is the way you construct your bunkers with those grass faces and things of that nature and how they, you know, how they, you know, sit out there on the lip of the bunkers and you wrap them really nice. Talk about construction of the bunker, how you go about putting that together and how you design those things. So they're beautiful. Thank you. And generally, we do a grass face, sand in the bottom bunker. And what sets us apart a little bit would be what I call the crest line. The crest line is the upper line, the the high line where the grass sort of angles down into the bunker. And we let zero water get into our bunkers, which makes them very maintenance friendly. It makes them very consistent for the player and for the golf course superintendent who has to take care of them. Now, the art of the bunker is kind of interesting because the crest line produces this great shadow um, and, and it almost looks black or dark green against the brilliant white sand. And I think it's just a beautiful feature. It's very old style. We really started doing this style bunker around 2005 when I was renovating Chattanooga Golf and Country Club, which is a Donald Ross. And I, and I have to admit, I studied Ross and studied Ross and studied Ross, and I loved the bunkers at Worcester Country Club in Massachusetts. And so if anybody Googles Worcester Country Club and you see, you see the bunker style there, that's what we sort of modeled this off of. Now, we don't do, the, do it the same way on every course. If you just take my Atlanta golf courses, I have Pine Tree Country Club, Dunwoody Country Club, and Druid Hills. The bunkers there all are cousins but they're not brothers and sisters. In other words, they don't look exact. There's a familiarity or similarity to the bunker styles that you go, okay, yeah, I get it. I understand that, that, you know, I can tell that Bill did these bunkers on these golf courses, yet they don't all look the same. And I want to keep it that way. I want, um, I want Macklemore to look a little bit different than those golf courses. And I want Dalton Country Club, another one of our future projects, to look a little bit different. Yet, I like that they're related. I like the fact that you know, first of all, they perform mechanically very well, and secondly, they they look great and they're consistent as far as playability. But but it is a it is a grass face bunker. Sand is mostly in the bottom. It produces great shadows and and consistent play. But I I think they're also very bold. When you look at them, they there's no there's nothing timid about them. There's nothing that, that they're barely there. There they they present a strong look to the golf course and then it's quite honestly Chris it's where you place them is even more important and I think we do that very well because of my background as a player and as a a teacher Um, I pay attention to how average golfers play golf 
and I'm always giving them a way to navigate their way around the golf course, and bunker positioning has a lot to do with that. So, uh, Bill, when when you are putting a, a complete project together, you know, I'm curious, you know, we, we you have 18 holes to design, and we have 14 clubs in our bag. Is it a goal, you know, for a designer like you or other guys that you work with, is it a goal to try to make us use every club in our bag at least once? Ideally, absolutely yes. And so if and if we can get into that 12 or 13 range and then you play the next day and you use, use the other ones, that, that's, that's my goal. But, um, you know, we hear a lot today about how far the golf ball goes, and that's obviously for the select few golfers that it it does in my opinion it does go too far but for 99 point something percent of us it doesn't but for those those the the really good players still a believer that overall yardage is much less important than yardage variety and that goes into that club selection question question that you just asked you know i would like a couple par fours that are the drive and pitch shots or possibly drivable i want two or three more that really stretch the golf course out. And, and in this day and age, that's, you know, 470 to 500 yards. And then I want a balance in between. I also want them to, some to turn left, some to turn right, a good mix. We'd like four par threes, ideally, that went in opposite directions, but that's not always easy to do. And four totally different club selections. I mean, I'd like you to have a short iron, a mid iron, more towards a long iron, and possibly even a fairway wood or a rescue club. Um, on four different par threes. And even with par fives, we'd like two or three that are reachable and one that's not. And so it's a great mix that you're looking for in a a well-designed golf course that offers balance, offers variety, and more importantly, if you play the golf course three days in a row, you want three different results um, and different challenges based on on conditions, based on the way you play the game, based on hole location, and and based on design. So so I'm looking for variety in in the design, and that I think results in in an enjoyable golf course. And Bill, like you mentioned a moment ago, or alluded to a moment ago, we've we've heard an awful lot, right, about how far the golf ball flies. Last week, Tiger Woods talked about that. We've heard Jack Nicklaus and Gary Player talk about that for years. So, it, do, and I know for for the majority of us, right, and I think the average, you know, if you take all golfers, right, and you average how far we hit our drives, it's somewhere around 220 or somewhere in that area, right. So for us. You know, a golf course that plays, you know, in, you know, 6,500 something around the, the, you know, that yardage makes sense for us. But for the, for those select few, for that one tenth of one percent, you know, we saw at Aaron Hills, right? I mean, you know, Brooks Kepka, you know, 16 under par. We saw Justin Thomas shoot 63, you know, and, and the lowest score in a uh, in a major championship, and that, you know that. That golf course was somewhere between 73 and 7,400 yards. So, for if if you want to have a major championship or just a PGA Tour championship for that matter on one of your golf courses, is this starting to get ridiculous? Are we going to start having to look at courses having to at least have 8,000 yards available, you know, playing in, in it, so that you know those guys might put a tour event on there? It, it, to me, that just seems like we're starting to get into the ridiculous range. I think so, too. I think we're running out of real estate, for one thing. We're also, water is a limited resource, and the bigger piece of property is going to require more water. So I think you need to change the design. And there was an interesting tweet by David Duvall recently about that, and his opinion is that we need to design better golf courses. And and I would start this way. If if somebody said, hey, what would you do 
to control the scoring, I would say we're designing golf courses right now with greens that are too large. And the reason I say that is tour players can two-putt from just about anywhere. It's amazing how many guys have zero three-putts the entire week on massively large undulating greens. But if we make the targets a little bit smaller, make the area around the greens a little bit more interesting, I think that has a bigger impact on, on uh, you know, a few more missed greens, more opportunities for short game skill, and, and I think that will impact the way scoring goes. Pebble Beach is an interesting example. Um, those greens average 4,000 square feet. Where you take Aaron Hills, and I'm not sure how big those are, but I would hazard a guess they're probably 8,000 or bigger, um, you know, twice as big as Pebble Beach. Totally different, totally different game. And so, um, you know, a lot of modern golf courses, I think the greens are getting a little bit too big. I like a greens complex that plays large, but a putting surface that's a little bit smaller. Um, and then really interesting shots around the greens is what I would look for in order to, you know, help preserve par. Um, I get a lot of comments, the courses that I work on, typically the course rating gets harder and the slope rating drops. The course rating is for a zero or scratch player. If that's getting harder, the golf course is getting more difficult for the better player. The slope rating is for about a 15 handicapper, and if, that, and if that's dropping or getting easier, at the same time the course rating is getting harder, we're doing something right. It's because we understand the difference between a tour-level player and everybody else and what happens around the golf course and what happens particularly around the greens complexes. So that's that's an area I feel like we excel. Um, haven't done a, a PGA Tour golf course, although we do have a web.com tour um, that plays uh, at Fox 10 and, and and with the Knoxville Open. But um always like to see competition. I've had a lot of state amateurs um, play it on my golf courses, and they typically hold up very well. Bill, just a couple of more before we let you go. And one of the things that I've read about you is that you're a proponent of courses creating a six-hole pitch and putt course that people can come and play, you know, work on their short game skills and do it in, you know, under an hour. Are you seeing more courses being open to that kind of concept? I'll tell you what, that's a fantastic thing. The reason I love it is you can have so much fun playing golf in a half an hour. And it's a perfect grow-the-game opportunity. Think about how intimidating a large golf course is to a new golfer. And and let's just start with kids. You, You think about when kids go out to play golf, how many holes do they play before they're bored and want to look for turtles or frogs in the creeks or something like that? Because it's overwhelming, it's not scaled to their size. And we have done two recent um, pitch and putt golf courses, one with actually U.S. Kids Golf up in Pinehurst. And it is so much fun. And the longest hole on the golf course is, is 100 yards. And every shot that you hit matters because they're all scaled down to where they're scoring shots. And so it's a brilliant place to take, you know, a new golfer, a five, six, seven year old out there. And you, you go around and play at one time, and it's the kind of place that when you finish, they, you know, it's only taken half an hour, 35, 40 minutes, and it's the kind of place where the child looks up at you and says, can we do that again? And it leaves you with a good taste of wanting more, which I think is also important. So we've got those planned right now at Dalton Country Club. We've got one planned at Macklemore. And so um, they're definitely on the books. Wherever we have an extra two to three acres that we can work in an area around a clubhouse, I am recommending them wholeheartedly because I think that 
your better players can work on their short game skills and really learn to score by playing the pitch and putt. And everybody else, it's just a great introduction to golf and just simply fun. Uh, what a great place for a family to go out. Um, excellent for women who have never played the game. Just a, just a super place for, for players of all abilities to have fun. And Bill, how, how does your philosophy about player retention fit in with you know you know you mentioned U.S. Kids, so you're partnering with the USGA, you're partnering with U.S. Kids Golf, and you put all that together with the Longleaf Tee Initiative. Talk about how all of that goes towards you know keeping people in the game. Yeah, the Longleaf Tee Initiative is a um, it's a derivative of sort of of the Play It Forward system, but it's so much more than that because it is based on how any golfer, how far any golfer hits a driver. So if you hit a driver 100 yards, which, which would be a child, it would be some women, it would be some senior men, 100 yards. We're recommending that you play a golf course 18 holes from only 3,200 yards. And so we actually have tees at Longleaf at 3,200 yards. And it is fabulous for people who don't hit the ball very far. Conversely, if you carry the golf ball 275 yards like a tour player, we're recommending that you play a 7,400-yard golf course because that's what fits your game. So rather than it being sort of a nebulous play it forward, well, you tell somebody like my son who's a brand-new golfer, I say, if you sit, tell Matt play it forward, he goes, well, what tee should I play? Well, nobody really has an answer for that. But the Longleaf tee system does. If he can carry the ball 250 yards – well, he might play a 6,800-yard golf course. If he can carry it only 225 yards, then 6,200 would be perfect for him. And so it, it's, it's a subjective um, – it's an objective way of looking at which tees you should play. And it's really important because, you know, a lot of, a lot of senior men have been good players in the past and they're not hitting the ball quite as far. They're not having as much fun. And this this system allows them to go out on the range, see how far they carry a driver, and then we're giving you a recommendation. You don't have to play those tees, but this is giving you a recommendation. We've got a big conference regarding this exact system um, up in Pinehurst uh, in, in at the end of November after Thanksgiving. And we are working on, on taking this actually nationwide, and I am recommending it to all the golf courses that I'm working on and the key tee really is in that 42 to 4,400-yard range. If you get that tee set up at your golf course, after that you're really moving into the fairways, um, and it can be laid out easily with very little expense. But we're seeing a lot of golf courses that are wanting to go with their forward tees in that 42 to 4,400-yard range, and I am a big proponent and am, am literally laying out course after course after course with a tee in that position. And, Bill, earlier this year, back in their May-June edition of Golf Inc. magazine, you were named one of their top ten most innovative people in the game of golf for 2017, especially around your desires. We talk about retaining young players, women, seniors, playing the game, and making the game better for novice players. It sounds like this is, this is sort of a whole program wrapped around how can we do a better job of not only growing the game, but keeping the people that are already in the game having more fun, you know, because, you know, 
know, the game forever, right? We've had three T's, right? It's been the red T's, the white T's, the blue T's, right? And then we got right. some gold in there at some point. But it seems like all the things that you are doing is trying to wrap around the growth of the game and keeping those that are already playing the game in it. So, first of all, congratulations and kudos to you for being named, you know, one of the top ten most innovative people in the game of golf. Talk about when they, when they reached out to you, what that meant to you. Well, that means a lot, and, and it's, it really is rewarding, Chris, because at the heart of it, you know, I, I started out as a player, but I, I taught for years at Cherokee Town and Country Club in Atlanta, and then as a golf course architect, there's nothing more satisfying than having people enjoy your work and enjoy your golf courses, but to be, be able to bring more people to the game, and as you said, to retain them is important. Well, what I'm seeing, we're doing three things that really impact that. Obviously, the Longleaf Tea system is at the forefront of getting people to play golf from the, the play a golf course that fits them, instead of having them have to conform to the game. And I think that's very important. Obviously, the pitch and putts—that's something that's really close to my heart. I really just love them, and I love playing them myself. There's nothing more fun than going out and, and playing the pitch and putts. And, and you literally go around it once and you're like, okay, let's do it again. Because it's so much fun and you know you can play better and every shot's important. And the last thing what we're doing a lot of and a lot of clubs are doing is we're working on practice facilities. And, and you know, one of the negatives about golf is the time constraint that it takes. You, you know, you can devote a good half a day to a, to a round of golf where these pitch and putts and great practice facilities allow people to enjoy the game, to work on improving, to, to you know, again, take lessons and, and enjoy the game and do it in a shorter period of time. And so we're seeing all three of those things have great impact uh, on the growth of the game and, again, on players' enjoyment. So I believe that's, you know, that's why we were picked for this this honor by Golf Inc. and 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 obviously I'm very pleased to be to be selected. Bill, how can our listeners stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing, whether it's online or it's on social media? Yeah, I'm pretty active on social media. I love posting projects. Um, you'll see almost weekly posts from Minnesota Valley. And if somebody doesn't know what a Redan hole is, they can go either on my personal page, which is Bill Bergen, or Bergen Golf Designs on Facebook. We're active on Twitter. We do we do uh, Instagram, and then obviously my website, which is um, BurtonGolf.com. <clears throat> Great way to keep up with us, and um, we love interacting with people and talking about golf. So anybody that wants to check out our work, and again, it's kind of fun to watch a project go from from a um, you know a starting point and and you know dirt dirt broken and and get to that point and all of a sudden you see you know green grass and white sand and blue skies and all of a sudden you go wow i can't wait to play it so it's a it's a fun process to sort of follow and we document most of our projects from start to finish yeah, and I agree with that. As I see the pictures of the great things that you're doing, it is interesting to watch it You know, progress through the project. And at the end, it's always spectacular. I, I love your course designs, Bill. I, you know, I'm very privileged to have you back on the show again tonight. Uh, I can't thank you enough for your time and being generous with your time. I hope you'll come back and do it again soon. And uh, in between now and then, all the best to you and your family, Bill. Thanks very much, Chris. Maybe when we get up to Macklemore, we'll get Reese and myself to come on at the same time. That would be awesome. I'd love that. So, yeah, let's make that happen. Good luck uh, with, you, with your Auburn Tigers, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thanks, Chris. Talk to you later. All right. Take care.
That's a great Bill Bergen. Again, it's bergengolf.com, and uh, as you mentioned, he is on uh, on Facebook and on Twitter. And folks, um, I, I highly encourage you to check it out. First of all, you know he's been very nice uh, about sharing pictures of his designs, and and we've had several of them uh, on our uh, on our homepage on uh, nextonthetee.net. But uh, give him a look on Facebook and go check him out on uh, on uh, bergengolf.com because the stuff is fantastic. When you look at how he you know how he takes a piece of property and then the slow designs of taking a look at the bunkers that he puts in and the and the greens and how all of those are are framed up and the backdrops that he has behind it it really is spectacular it's some great stuff so highly encourage you to go check it out if you if you love the game and you love to, to see the evolution of a golf course you're going to really love checking out all the work that bill does